Jesus. You're the sweetest name I know, and you're just a saint. And that's the reason why I love you so. Jesus, you're the sweetest name I know. Jesus, you're the sweetest name. Yes, Lord, we thank you for your name. Thank you for your nature. The same. <clears throat> Is he? 
precious than ever is Jesus. More precious than ever is He. Jesus, He alone can calm the troubled soul. Yet He cares for you and me. been the same since I met Jesus. He alone can calm the troubled soul. Master of the sea, yet he cares for you and me. I've never been the same. Jesus, He alone can calm the troubled soul. Master of the sea, yet He cares for you and me.
will be worth it all when we see Jesus life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ on glimpse of his dear of his dear face all sorrow will erase so bravely run this race till we see Christ praise the Lord praise the Lord praise the Lord praise the Lord The songwriter is really saying when we see Christ, when Jesus returns, and it's the hope of every child of God, when Jesus returns and resurrects the dead and establishes the kingdom of God where there'll be peace on earth. Today it's not so, today we are troubled on every side. Like Paul made a statement, he says, we're troubled on every side. And I'm not troubled like Paul is troubled. He was troubled because of persecution, because of spreading the gospel. But the pressure that God puts on his people is designed to perfect us. The pressure today would be a little different than it was 2,000 years ago. I'll be praying with us in a minute here. And before I do, Sister Chandra is not here tonight because she's home. Um, not because she wants to be home. She had come here under any circumstance, but she has been <clears throat> for many, many years trying to fight a problem in her body. And uh, for the past three months, uh, going on to four months, she was on antibiotics. Uh, it is not it is not a pleasant thing it's painful but if it's dealing with a particular problem that she has then maybe that's the way they should go there's another medication that is stronger than that but she has to be in the hospital for seven days but um, she's home tonight and we want to give God thanks that um, she is being treated that way and um, I'm sure she's following us online. So we want to pray. Brother Sam had some tests done today. And, and I'm thinking, you know, like there was a time when we talk about cars and we talk about politics and we talk about fruits and food and vegetables and all that kind of stuff. Today we talk about lumbago, 
arthritis, diabetes, sugar control. And it's telling us that as we get older, the body cannot exist forever. And we've got to understand those things that it is necessary for us to go through what is required of God to process our lives. And uh, it is important that we understand these things. And maybe tonight we'll talk a little bit about some of these things. But right now, join me in prayer as we bring these needs before the Lord. Father, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege you've given to us that we can call you our Heavenly Father and we could be seen as your children, sometimes rebellious, but Father, we're still your children and we thank you for that privilege. Tonight in a special way, Lord, we bring those that are not well we think of Sister Polly that has really suffered. Father, today it was such a pleasant thing to, to hear her receiving a good day. Thank you for Sister Polly and her faithfulness over the years. We pray you continue to strengthen her, Father, strengthen her faith, strengthen her confidence, and help her through this time of trying that she's going through. Pray for the others that are not well. Pray that you'd help Sister Chandri tonight. O oh Lord and Brother Sam, and some of these individuals in the church, Sister Phillips, the, those that are on the other side of their age, Father, closer to the end of the line. We think of Sister Monica. We thank, thank you, Lord, for every child of God that's healthy. But Father, we pray tonight, we bring those that are not well, that you'll touch them, Father. Uh, touch every one of our bodies, Father, and touch our minds and touch our spirits and heal your people, Father, we pray. May God, we give you thanks for the work of God around the world. We thank you for the way you have helped us over these past years, storing these messages and giving us inspiration to live according to your divine plan. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your goodness, your grace. Help us, O oh God, as we get into the service tonight that we might open our hearts and touch our understanding, we pray, in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. Tonight, I, <clears throat> I was thinking, I'm sitting here thinking <clears throat> of the lesson that we had on the weekend, and we highlighted things. We talked about drunkenness, spiritual intoxication, we talk about light, we talk about darkness, we talk about spiritual blindness. These are all things that are seemingly related. Tonight, I'd like to talk a little bit about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. He made a statement here and he says, you're the light of the world. And... <clears throat> We can say, well, you know, we need light. We need understanding. God's purpose of giving us understanding was never intended to stay in our heads. The purpose of God giving us light and clarity and understanding was not to put God under scrutiny. God's purpose was to get us to live godly. 
live according to the principles of his law. And that is why when we look back at scriptures that said, and Enoch walked with God. See, the term walk, it means to live. He walked with God. That's a beautiful statement. Well, Jesus said here in Matthew chapter 5, and I don't want to rush this. It says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its saltiness or savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Some time ago I preached a lesson. I preached, I preached, I don't know if I can say hundreds or maybe thousands of lessons in this church. And uh, one of the things I promoted one time was that telling us that we are the salt that should salt the earth. But you can't salt the earth if the salt is still in the shaker. And that is one of the reasons that I criticize our lack of evangelism. I criticize the concept that we do not evangelize. So, Bursting, what are you telling us? Are we going to get some microphones and get a stage and go out and run a crusade? No, no, no. Evangelism starts in your home. It starts in your own life. It starts with the people closest to you, your household. And that is why in the Old Testament, where the Lord says to the parents, he says, you teach your children to walk uh, according to God's principle. I have my finger in in Matthew chapter 5, but I'm just briefly turning to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And the Lord said in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he says, now these are the commandments. Moses is writing the commandments. You see, back there it was a little more demanding. If I say, I command you. You know, we have in the army commanders. Uh, organization who say commanders. Today, you use that word and people feel you're becoming a dictator. But God was, excuse me saying this, God was a dictator. You follow his commandments, you live. You disobey his laws, you die. He was not a vicious, well, it depends on how you look in that. God, he had commandments. You had no choice. Keep his commandments and you will live. The day that thou eatest thereof in violation to his commandment, you will die. The wages of transgression, or sins, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so 
Moses is writing and he's telling the children of Israel, now these are the commandments which, and statutes and judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it. We are in Canada and this country is supposedly, when I came here in 1980, it is supposed to be, was supposed to be a godly Christian nation. But I'm not sure if that was the right description describing Canada. I know when you talk about America, uh, it is classified as a Christian nation. Well, like every other thing, the definition of Christian has changed. And when people say Christian, when I came to Canada, Canada was more of a moral nation. This country has deteriorated in its, mor in its moral standards. And the worst is yet to come. Child pornography, the age limit might be changed. Uh, hoodlums would be given priorities and godly people would not have rights. Uh, you're a rebel, you're a rebellious individual, you'll have a right. You'll have a right to protest and to march. But you want to march in, 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 in favor of the gospel, you'll be criticized for that. We live in a very disgusting society, but we appreciate living in this country because it is far better than other countries. But the world is, is going downward when it comes to mor morality. And so Moses is writing here, he says the commandments are given, he says that you might, might as fear, have the fear of God, fear thy God, and keep all his statutes and his commandments. The fear of God is a lost, lost concept in today's world. It is a lost concept in the church, much more in society. It is a concept that people don't even understand. What do you mean fear of the Lord? It means violating his commandments and be afraid of the judgment of God that is to come upon you for violating his laws. And Moses went on, he says, the commandments is given that you might be able to teach your family. He said in verse seven, he says, verse six, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And if it's in your heart, not only in your head, he says, thou shalt teach them diligently diligently, not just lightly, diligently unto your children, and thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. Conversation should be about God. And those were days that I remembered when I came to Canada. Uh, there were days when the gospel was so fresh, and people would call to talk about the message, talk about the gospel. But those days, are lost and when you look back apart from us keeping the message and storing the, the, the messages on uh, a podcast or Spotify or whatever we want to use people really do not care for the Word of God 
it is lost. But God says, teach them diligently unto your children. And he says, when you walk about in your house, teach the word of God. When you move around, evidence must be in your house that the commandments of God are honored. And so, back here in Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus is making this statement and he says, you're the salt of the earth, but a salt has to have a savor. Now follow me carefully here today because whether it's called salt or light, it is demanding a lifestyle. Salt is a testimony that you're a child of God. You cannot walk like a rebel in community and spread salt. For you to spread <coughs> salt, you must have salt. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Light is not just an understanding in the gray in the head. Light is a lifestyle. And there an there's an element that's opposite to light that is called darkness. Darkness is a life without God. When God comes in, light gets into your life. And the kind of living that you would live would manifest a lifestyle that pleases God. And so Paul, uh, Matthew is writing here what Jesus is saying. In verse 14, he says, you're the light of the world. And a lot of us would say, well, light means you, got, you have a knowledge in your head. Well, you must have a knowledge in your head or else, you know, you're not illuminated mentally. But the illumination of the head is insufficient. Illumination must be of the heart and then it directs your step to walk with God. So when Jesus said you're the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. When you go down the street, does someone look at you and know you're a Christian? Are you a light in society? Do we, the church, manifest the light in the society we live in? Do we conduct ourselves like Christian? See, Christianity and this light I'm talking about is not a talk. When it comes to yapping and talking about God and stuff, everybody's got that. No, this is telling us to live a life. So you're the light of the world. Let your light, verse 16, so shine before men that they might see what? Good works, not hear good preaching. Good preaching is necessary, but seeing your lifestyle, that is important. So understanding this is important, and that's why we'll back up to uh, this, the Beatitudes that Jesus said earlier in that chapter. He said in chapter 5 and verse 3, Blessed, blessed. And the definition of being blessed is a whole lot different than the Old Testament. In the Old Testament period of time, you are blessed when you have a lot of property and you have a lot of goods and you have a lot of sheep and you have a lot of cattle 
and he got a lot of children. When Jesus came, the definition of blessing changed. Because Jesus is allowing discipleship and the process of discipleship to change our lives. To be qualified to enter into God's kingdom when that time comes. It will be worth it all. The sacrifices you make, the prayer life, the dedication, the charity that you give, all of that will be worth it all if what you're doing is light in this dark world. We live in a world that few people would like to help somebody else. But you know there are people that do that. And so it says, Blessed are the people that are not proud and haughty, poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit here speaks of humility. You're, you're, not, you're not just... You see, there's a difference between sackcloth and rags. It's not telling you you need to wear rags and so you're poor in spirit. See, the spirit must be modified by God because you're coming out from a world of darkness that wants vengeance. You take my eye, I take yours. You slap me, I slap you back. You rob me, I want to hit you back. People are so, that's the spirit of the world. The spirit of darkness is contrary to the spirit of light. And Jesus said, for you to be the light of the world, you must have these qualities. Blessed are you when you're poor. You're not exalted. You're not, you want to show off on everyone around you. And I look at individuals on a daily basis. And when you look at individual on a daily basis, the human wants to shine forth. Accepting the reality of who you are is important. But reforming because somebody's pushing you to do that is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking poor, not public for public view, I'm talking poor in spirit. God has modified you. And we can fall on the rock and make those changes, or the rock takes us through a process where we have to change. And you might see someone um, that they have blemishes on their skin or blemishes on their face. And you might come up with all the medication or cosmetics to cover that up. But God is working on their spirit if that's a child of God. You try to cover it up, that's fine. We ought to look nice, right? We do our best to present ourselves. But remember, beyond the cosmetics, beyond the cover-up, there is a spirit that God wants you to have that is poor in spirit. Proud in spirit is different than poor in spirit. Haughty in spirit is different than poor in spirit. We're talking about being lights of the world. So step 
there are steps here that we have to look at. And then he went on here. He says, blessed are they that mourn. My God. You're blessed when you mourn? Yes. Being sorrowful is good. Being mournful for individuals is good. I was up at 2 o'clock this morning. Distressed about the future of the work of God. Distressed about this church. Two, couldn't sleep anymore. Distressed about if I'm gone, what happens to the family? What happens to the church? Distressed about the people that are left behind. The scripture says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. When it, what it says, um, it will be worth it all. But it would be nice if we get some of it here in this world rather than when the kingdom comes. But you know, you can have peace because we'll talk about that little on here. And so you're blessed. God, for mourning? Yes. Blessed are the meek. Those that are not haughty. Those that are meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Who is going to inherit the earth? The meek. The one that you push around. Not the feisty. Fighter. Argumentative. The meek. You tell them off. And they don't respond back. It takes time for God to develop that spirit and attitude in each one of us. It takes time. It says, Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after God, for they shall be filled. That is with the glory and the light of God's gospel. Do you hunger and thirst? after God well I'm I'm busy doing all this stuff well is the work of God holding a priority in your life you, you know I'm talking to you and I pause a little because a scripture comes in my head and I say Lord not tonight what's taking your attention and driving you away what is happening in your life that gives you a reason not to full seek after God and not to be hungry after God all right so blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy now all of these qualities I'm telling you are characteristics our attributes that I'm telling you about is what is the light that we read later on about. You're the light of the world. Light is a lifestyle. You stop and talk to someone on the street and you're merciful. Show some mercy to individuals that's around. See someone in need, reach out and be a blessing and a help to that individual. We're talking about light. We're not talking about getting up and preaching and shouting scriptures. No, we're talking about living what we preach. Jesus went on, he says, 
Blessed are the pure in heart. Can we have hearts? Our desire that's always pure? It takes a lifetime to become to come to that place where your heart is pure. You think no evil of anyone. Someone says something ridiculous, you don't judge them for it because they might have a good reason for losing their cool and having a temper. We don't know what people go through. No one knows everyone totally. A husband does not know a wife totally, and a wife does not know a husband totally. Only God knows what's in my mind and in my heart. And that is why I'm not dead today. And that is what I must be able to have a pure heart. A heart that's pure. Blessed are the pure in heart. You know, pure in heart. You see, you either have a heart full of darkness or you have a heart full of light. To be pure in heart means a, prop, a total elimination of darkness. This is a challenge. You don't need the rest of the Bible. Just try to do some of this that Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 5. He said, Blessed are the peacemaker makers, for they shall be called the children of God. You don't set strife, you make peace. Jesus was called the Prince of Peace. And his children, and those of us that are converted, the light that we must have is a lifestyle that we walk around and someone is glad that they met us because we bring peace to their life. Peace. Such a wonderful thing. And he goes on, say, he says, hey, blessed are they. Now here is something that is very uh, not easy. He said, blessed are you when men shall persecute you for righteousness. Somebody says, you're a Christian, I hate you. For righteousness sake, someone gives you a hard time. For righteousness sake, you can actually lose your job. For righteousness sake, uh, you can actually be targeted. And I worked out there in a the secular job. And I did not accommodate fornicators. I did not believe in common law individuals running the, com the, com the complex. I believe in legitimate marriages and families. When you take a stand, people know what you believe in. They really do not care for you. They can pick on you, especially if their life is not right. But if I've got to hide my life in order to win your friendship, then I need to be saved. My friends must be able to see what I, who I am and understand me for who I am. And when we look at all of this, blessed are they. Uh, he says, blessed are you. So you're blessed. You take a list of all these blessings and say, praise God, I'm blessed. 
Well, see, this is what the early church taught. This is what Jesus taught, and this is what the early church taught. It was living a life that's representative of Jesus, who is the light of the world. Uh, over in Colossians, let's move here. We've got 15 minutes left of our time. In Colossians, Paul is making this statement, and he tells us in chapter 1 and verse 12, Paul says, Giving thanks unto the Father, who had made us partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. There is something about children of God that's walking in light. And this is very subtle because I could teach all the doctrines right, but if the people that I'm teaching are not living right, my teaching of doctrines, even though it's 100% pure doctrines, is not accomplishing what God intends it to accomplish. My preaching is intended to change the lives of the people listening to me and start eliminating darkness out of their life and walking as children of light. This Bible is not meant to make you a theologian. This Bible is meant to make you a Christian. A child of God. A child of light. And Paul writes here, he says, God, we are to join the saints, an inheritance of the saints that are already in light. He says, who had delivered us from the power of darkness. Now the saints in light was not telling you they got the doctrine right, the Godhead right, the doctrine of the soul and uh, the resurrections. No. They were already living as children of light. And what God did, Paul says, God had delivered us from the power of darkness. Every day I need to be continuously delivered from darkness. From the lifestyle that the world wants me to live. God must deliver me from the power of darkness. And translated, translate me into the kingdom of his dear son. Which is a kingdom of light. A kingdom of light. Uh, over here back up a little to Ephesians chapter 5. And so we'll rush, rush a little here to get the, some of these scriptures in. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus and he says. But you were sometimes in darkness. But now you're in light. In the Lord. So live like it. He says you were sometimes in the past life you were a drunkard or a fornicator or a liar or a vagabond. You're just a plain old sinner. But God has saved you. So my dear friend, you're were sometimes in darkness but now you're in light. Sometimes your life was not pleasing to God, but now you're a child of light. So what you need to do? Live. Light is a lifestyle. Everybody say that. Yeah, but you see, I go, 
I go to a meeting and I go to a convention and I hear them preach, 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 preach. You know, if we had a meeting, a big meeting, and I could get up and say, well, you know, if you got sin in your life, today is a good day to come to this altar and confess it. And I got five individuals out of 5,000 individuals, five come to the altar and confess it. You know that's a great day in heaven? When one sinner repents, it's better than 5,000 saints shouting and dancing. Because we all have things in our lives that we need to come to the altar and ask God to help. May God help us that when we get together and the power of God is in the service, it can change our lifestyle from darkness into light. We don't lie like we used to. We don't cheat like we used to. We don't talk like we used to. We don't cuss like we used to. We don't hobnob with the ungodly rabble in this world like we used to. We're children of light. We love. We're merciful. We're peacemakers. And, and Paul is writing here. He says, you were sometimes darkness, but now light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So what Paul is actually telling us here, if you have the fruit of the Spirit working in your life, you've got light. The fruit of the Spirit in, in, in Galatians chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 5 are interwoven. Light is a lifestyle. Back here in verse 1, Paul says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children. Follow God as his dear children. Walk in love as Christ also loved us and has given himself as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So we're going to be children of light. So what are we doing? Verse 2, But fornication, natural and spiritual, and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not once be named among you. Because why? You're a child of light. See, the world we live in, it's not like it used to be in the 60s. When we lived in the 60s and I wanted, I wanted a kite, I made one. When I was a little boy, I wanted a toy, I made one. I never saw what the ungodly people were doing because we didn't have television. And that's the sad thing. And that is, I'm going to deal with this maybe on the weekend if the Lord helps us. But the temptation of Christ was dealing with the lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh. And pride of life. You got to impress somebody. There was a time a car was meant for driving. Today is meant for showing somebody what, you, what kind of machine you got. 
There was a time a house was meant for living. Today you got to impress people that come to your house. Simplicity of life has been changed to complicated, competitive lifestyle that God must change when the kingdom is established. We see and we want. And the devil has made this world in such an easy place that even if you ain't got the money, you can buy the stuff. Back there, we ain't got the money, we can't buy the stuff. I remember when I ran crusades, if I did not have the money, I could not run a crusade. So we prayed, oh God, give us the money. We didn't go and tell, we didn't pray loud, you know, for people to hear. We prayed quietly. You know, I was young, David said, and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. And I want to tell you the same thing. I was young and now I'm getting old. And I've never really stretched out my hand and solicit funds from people because I want to con them into giving me money. God is good. And so Paul we can't get into all the scriptures that's in my mind, but Paul went on here. He says, neither filthiness nor foolish talking or jesting, which are not convenient. He says, for this we know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous person, nor an idolater had an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you in vain words. Don't be deceived by some preacher that's pulling you or some person out there selling something. Uh, remember, be not partakers with them, uh, for we are children of light. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't the scripture good? One scripture more. We got five minutes, and I've got here a scripture in First Thessalonians 5. And so, <clears throat> I'm talking to you tonight. God must change us from darkness. You know, somebody... I think it was Nathan came to me and, uh, on Sunday and he asked, he asked a couple of questions, but one of the questions was, he says, how can I tell the difference? How can I walk in light? Something like that, he asked. So I said, Nathan, it's very simple. Simple, simple, simple. I said, if I eat my candy and throw the wrapper on the ground, is that good or bad? He said, that's not good, that's bad. I said, well, that's darkness. You tell me something to correct me and I get angry with you, is that light or darkness? He said, darkness. I said, it's very simple. You can sort away what's light and what's darkness. You understand what I'm saying? It's easy to find that. And here in First Thessalonians, and time is running out on the air, uh, Paul says in chapter 5 and verse 4, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. In other words, if the Lord comes today, are you in light or darkness? As we draw closer to the end of our life, 
we need to live more in light. And the reason why is because I'm going to read a scripture here in, in 1 John. In 1 John, quickly, it says, 1 John, I'm coming back to 1 Thessalonians, but it says in 1 John uh, chapter 1, and this is the message, verse 5, which we have heard and declared unto you that God is light. So when you look at God, he's a bright light, bright tip. No, no, no. God is pure. God is holy. God is just. God is long-suffering. God is faithful. Everything that God is, is light. There is no darkness. It says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we are lying. And we are not doing the truth. How many individuals lie every day when they claim they love God and walking according to God's principle? He is light. In him is no darkness. If we fellowship with him, we'll have more light in our lives. May God give us light. He says, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, verse 7, we have fellowship one with another. And what will happen? The blood of Jesus will continuously cleanse us. As we walk in light, we're continuously cleansed on a daily basis. When I look back, this week I'm living close to God than I did last week. It's a good thing. And the devil has ways of discouraging you. But here in 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says, But brethren, you're not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all children of light and children of the day. That is the day of the Lord. We're not of the night, nor of darkness. The night is far spent, but we're not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as those virgins did. You know, to sleep means to pay less attention to godliness and to ignore what God is doing. It's putting yourself like you're in a deep slumber. If you're in deep slumber, this message would not do a thing for you tonight. And Paul went, he says, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch. Watch our spirit, watch our life, watch for the return of Jesus. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. The day is at hand, but they're sleeping because there's a night. And someone says, did you really say the Gospel Assembly Church is asleep? Yes, I did. Because a lot of things that the world is doing, we join them. And you know, we have influenced people to become just like us. We need to walk in light and live godly. Not just build social clubs and call them churches. He says, for they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. May God help us. Time is gone. 
verse 32, And the very God of peace separate you wholly. And I pray God that your whole spirit and your soul and body be preserved. How? How? Say it out. Be preserved. We're looking at verse 30, 23. And the very God, you see if you had your Bible, you'd be able to look at that because I already said verse 23. All right, let's read it. And the very God of peace sanctify the whole of you. And I pray God that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus. Light is a lifestyle. Let us pray. Father, we thank you tonight for this lesson. Lord, we're depraved, we're fallen, we're human beings shapen in iniquity and in sin. Our moms conceived us. God, we have a tendency to live in sin. We have a tendency to be rebellious. Oh God, to go contrary to your laws. And that is why it's not by might, nor by power, nor human genius, but by your spirit. Father, if ever there was a time we beseech you to give us more of your spirit, it is in these days. In Jesus' name, we ask that your word will not return void unto you, but save us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.